powering through our rickety old man bones to present to you the very finest in podcast technology. It's V'ger, please. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm now sober, Peter. <laughs> Peter and I like to warm up a little bit before we actually uh, get into doing the podcast. You know, we discuss like some broad, like, oh, you know, let's make sure we touch on this, touch on that. And it also just kind of catching up with each other warms up the the podcasting muscles. And uh, we both regaled each other with stories of how uh, trying to live life like we did 10 years ago is a terrible idea. <laughs> the, my story, at least, I drank way too much tequila and had to pay the iron price. Yours is just a sad story about being an old man. Yeah, I just was up until two o'clock in the two morning. Two o'clock in the morning. And it ruined my whole Saturday. <laughs> like, legit, my whole Saturday was so was dominated by the fact I was just exhausted by everything because I couldn't, I didn't get enough sleep. Joe, I mean, it's just... I'm gonna give you some some advice right now. Don't ever have kids. <laughs> you know what? Okay. You will not. Survive. Only because you told me not to, though. Yeah. Like, if staying up till two in the morning playing magic is too much for you. <laughs> Make sure you keep that pullout game real strong with the misses. Yeah, that's uh, uh, pretty definite over here with the with that. I'll I'll leave you to be creating the next generation of nerds. Mm. I uh, I'm I'm happy to be a, a genetic dead end. And uh, you know what's not a dead end, or so I've heard. Some Star Trek franchise movies. Yeah, um, I'm fairly ignorant to this, so why don't you explain the news? So I saw and, you know, little discussions like this always date our podcast because anybody listening to it two years from now is going to be like, well, yeah, obviously they made those movies. But I think it's good to have our opinions on record. Uh, So there was a confirmation. So there has been some sort of consolidation, as I understand it, between CBS, Viacom and Paramount. Now all of the intellectual property is under the same stewardship, which allows them to start touching other properties and and get the wheels turning again and And i should point out that the the reason those mergers happened the primary driver was the mess that was star trek uh rights like that was the main reason they decided to do this so it's not a surprise to me that they sorted it out quickly it's crazy too because like you know when they showed the enterprise in season two of discovery it looked a little different. You still knew it was a Star Trek uh, Enterprise, right? It still had a saucer section and a secondary hall and the two warp nacelles. But there's always something different between all these movies. And I thought it was just, you know, it's an earlier version of the ship and they wanted to make it look different or whatever. And that's not the case. It's that because different entities were making products that they didn't hold the original rights to, they'd always have to change it enough that it wasn't an exact copy because of copyright. That is correct. It's crazy. It's it's a fucking enterprise. Like what what the hell? So anyways, they've uh they got all their ducks in a row now. And the CBS uh network, or I'm sorry, the 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 movie head said, "Yeah, we got two new Star Trek movies that are confirmed to be moving forward for filming." And uh they don't have hard confirmations on what they are yet, but the rumor is that the first one's going to be another entry into the Kelvin universe. Uh, We got uh, Chris Pine as Kirk confirmed, although it's still up in the air. I think if uh, Chris Hemsworth is going to be involved as George Kirk, his father, which I think would be pretty cool. Um, And then the second one is the interesting one, and that is going to be most likely the Quentin Tarantino movie. I want to start with actually the the less interesting one, which the Chris Pine as Kirk one, the Kelvin verse. Uh, I was you know, obviously super cold on that because of how awful Into Darkness was, but finally coming around to it after watching Beyond, which was surprisingly good. Uh, I, I'm in for that, particularly because a, a movie that allowed that version of Kirk to, con- you know, like deal with his past and his father in particular would be a nice bow on that, like story wise would make a lot of sense. And uh, I feel like they really did a lot to to redeem the direction they were going in with with Beyond. And so I think depending on the creatives behind it, like if they give the J.J. Abrams again, just flush it down the toilet. But, you know, anybody else gets their hands on it that loves Star Trek. They 
they tend to turn in quality work. So, you know, the Fast and the Furious guy can do it. Anybody can. So that's my thoughts on that. I know you're a more of a fan of the Kelvin verse. I, I, I was, I was, I, I considered it dead to me. And then I, I finally was like, well, I'm a completionist. And I turned on beyond. I'm like, Oh, holy shit. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm, I like action. Action goes well, especially in the TOS environment. And, you know, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We know the character's history. We know their stories. We've explored it in depth in the original series TV show and the original series cat, you know, the Shatner movies. So I don't need to retread old ground. And I'm I'm fine with having a bright and shiny and lens reflective or lens flared chase sequence with doing cool transporter tricks and, and high action sequences like it works for me. It didn't take away any of the stuff I already knew, and it's just adding more stuff. And I get it's not everybody's cup of tea, but what I'm excited about. I, I, should, I should say that I like that stuff, too. I'm The stuff I didn't like about it was that they sacrificed what the soul of Trek, I think, a little too much, particularly like in the set in, in Into Darkness, where it's just like, what is this mess? And. Star Trek being exciting isn't bad. And I felt like I finally hit the right kind of balance with beyond. So, Mm. but go ahead. What I'm excited about is the Quentin Tarantino Trek. Did you get a chance to watch once upon a time in Hollywood? I haven't. I've seen every other uh, Tarantino movie. I certainly will watch that one. I probably will wait till it comes to streaming somewhere. To be honest with you, I'm just kind of that mode, but I will eagerly watch it once it is. I'm actually really in for that. Like Quentin Tarantino's never made a bad movie. Mm, I'd have to look at the you list. Know? He, he's got some strong entries. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was way too long. I think somewhere in there, there was a good movie. There's like a good half hour movie, but it was like almost three hours. It was just too fucking long. And I couldn't identify with any of the subject material. I could sit there and watch it until it was well filmed, but just these long takes and like watching four minutes of Brad Pitt make his dog dog food like what but then my father-in-law saw it and my dad saw it who both grew up in the era that the movie was set in and they just can't say enough good things about it and i i get it when he gets into a subject material that he understands his attention to detail is phenomenal and i think that if he can make a star trek movie where he cares about what he's doing and I care about what he the story he's telling that it's really going to be something terrific. Yeah, same. I I think that's my attitude is that if this is something he wants to do because he really is like, I have a this I love Star Trek and I have this great idea and I want to do this, then I'm 100 percent in whatever it is, because it's going to be crafted with a kind of attention to detail and care that no other filmmaker is going to be able to to do. Give me a, and, a, a 15 minute scene of two guys sitting around 10 forward talking. And I can see what, what the rest of the crew is getting into and tables behind them and just meandering around set pieces for that long and chewing on the scenery. Like I can get really, really excited about that. Same. Like, and he's the kind of guy who can deliver on the lived life of, you know, the Federation slash Alpha Quadrant slash Star Trek people uh, that no one else could. I don't know what his idea is. I know, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, he's just too much. You know, he's just it's just going to be guys, you know, dropping F-bombs all over the place. I don't have any idea what his idea might be. But I will say that I have enjoyed every movie he's ever made. And every movie he has ever made is extremely well done well-crafted and has an attention to detail that other filmmakers couldn't possibly ever touch. And therefore whatever he creates, I will give, I will absolutely give it a chance. Here's my dream. I want him to make the star Trek movie. I don't want established characters anywhere near this thing. I want him to make a bank heist or some sort of like criminal adventure about people who have nothing to do with Starfleet and are barely Federation citizens and just, Give me Pulp Fiction in space with a little bit of Starfleet sprinkled in and the guys are fucking with the Klingons and they're pissed off and, uh, you know, a, a Romulan femme fatale and just and just schlock it up because Star Trek is a place where you can tell whatever story you want. It doesn't always have to be the captain of the Enterprise standing on the bridge of the Enterprise saving the world. 
give me give me something between the lines. Give give me a little people story. You know what I was hoping for? Crimson Tide, except Starfleet. That's what I was hoping. Like he maybe his idea was like, give me that kind of like submarine stalking. There's all these state, you know, stakes about the 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 fate of the Alpha Quadrant based on like what the captain do, does, and maybe the first officer disagrees, and there's tension. So you want a super serious like, movie? I, I mean, yeah, I'll take what you're saying either. Like, I'm happy with Schlock too. I think Trek is, you know, sometimes can be overly serious. Uh, and it would be fun to see somebody kind of go in a, in a fun schlocky direction with it. That's also like feels authentic, especially if it's done in that like sixties vibe. Mm-hmm. Oh God. But Could you imagine if he does a movie with like TV show, original uniforms and set pieces, like how fucking rad that would be. If he does what you're talking about, that's exactly what the fuck he's going to do. Are you shitting me? That's like exact. That is 100% what he would do i you know i keep there's saying, no doubt i it. like the slice of life episodes that we see in voyager with what's life in the federation like what's life like when you know it's downtime show me the bigger picture of earth show me the federation show me just show me stuff that's not the starfleet bridge and i think that's where he would really excel at just fleshing out the environment and showing you know what do people get up to in the post-scarcity society of the federation like I'm excited for it. And even if it's terrible, Star Trek's put enough terrible movies out there that I've watched anyways that, you know, life goes on and you take the cool stuff. You take Riker flying through the briar patch with a with a CH flight stick and you're like, whatever. Okay, I know it's there now. Good. Cool. Next. Oh, God, that's got to be TNG's lowest moment, right? Uh I don't know that uh, what episode three where they go to like the black planet and then Tash Yar has to get in the gladiatorial match with and it's like super racist. That's that's a low yeah, one. Man. That's, that's 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 also true. OK, well, before we go any deeper on that, what episode of Star Trek Voyager did we watch this week? Watch season four, episode 20. Was that vis-a-vis? Face to face. So you 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 guessed. uh last week that it was going to be a like infidelity episode which it and i teased of course it was not and now you know what i meant what i forgot about this episode is that how classic voyager it was which is what a really cool idea that they just don't actually manage to kind of put together at the end i i was struck by something what we were talking about when we were doing the killing game part two which is this didn't need to be two parts why is this two parts there's so many other episodes of the show that we've watched that would have been much better as two episodes three episodes so much there's so much meat on this bone like and you're just trying to wrap it up at the end and you just kind of squander it like why this this episode with the holodeck and and the Herogen and the Nazis is the one that we're going to make two parters because the spectacle. Eh. And here we are the next week. It is like the first half, first 30 minutes of this episode is all this setup. You get all this kind of suggestion of what's going on. They, they finally hit you over halfway with the actual plot. And then they just don't have enough time at the end to do anything. And it's just kind of over. And it's like, why the fuck was this the two parter? That'd have been so cool. Like w- this needed to be a two parter where it, the stinger at the end was the body swap. Yeah. Do you um, know? I want to jump back to killing game. The the two parter that I think they should have made there. Cause I, I thought about that episode some more. I think they could have wrapped the entire Herogen plot line up in one episode. I think if they were going to keep it as a two parter or maybe what they should have had between killing game two and vis-a-vis was, an episode about how the fuck do you put the ship back together when you have gutted the majority of the saucer section and turned it into a fucking holodeck. Like talk about leaving Voyager in a situation where its pants are pulled down and it needs like drastic repairs. Like I want to see that story. But yeah, like as a sort of soft two parter yeah. is what you're uh, saying. Yeah, I mean, if, like it's a con- it's a continuation of the prior week, but it's not like a direct continuation of that story. It's the consequences. Yeah. And, you know, then throw in a new monster of the week or something else that normally wouldn't be a big deal if it wasn't for the fact that Voyager was still all fucked up. Instead, we begin vis-a-vis like every other Voyager sin, you know, uh, we're reset back to homeostasis. Everything is fine. The ship looks great. We never heard about any dead crew members from the Herogen occupation. And, and that's that. 
Um, I'll get into my big thoughts about this episode later, but uh, top down, I really, really like this episode a lot. We were just talking about slice of life stuff. I think this is a, a good example of that. I think it's been a long time since we've had some quality Tom Paris character development. And uh, especially after the bad taste that uh, killing game left in my mouth and the one before it, like this felt like a good return to solid Voyager storytelling. But now that I hear you talking about it, I do agree that the pacing was a little weird. Yeah, it, it feels like they they front loaded a lot and it included the things that you're talking about, which were well handled. I I just feel like the 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 plot at the end they they set up all this stuff and all these unanswered questions about who this guy is, how he did what he did, the potential of them telling more in-depth story about Tom having to deal with being in the situation he is in and fake Tom doing what he's doing. They they just did just enough to f- finish the episode and there was so much more meat on that bone that they could they could have could have done. So they start us off uh, particularly, particularly in service to what you liked, which was the slice of life stuff and and watching like the day to day and how the fake Tom might have dealt with that. But anyway, continue. Um, they start off with uh, an old 1960 something Camaro and you got Paris underneath it working on it. And this is a return to a a character trait that we have only encountered once for Tom Paris. And that is that he likes uh, 20th century automobiles, which we found out in the stupid 37s when they found the truck floating in space, looking whack as fuck. But it's a really cool (laughs) piece of clip art. This is a really cool uh, setup. I, you know, as so often the case, I feel like the best parts of the Voyager episodes live before the credits. And I don't think this is any exception. So Tom's got this holodeck simulation. And it's so quaint. I love it. And it, it might seem like, well, that's stupid. Why is he working on a car? He could just summon up a regular car that already works and be buzzing around on a speed track. But then, you know, look at the Steam library out there, the, the Steam video game library. How many farming sim games and like yeah, mechanic and build your own computer sim games and stuff that doesn't really appeal to me. But like there's just something therapeutic about it that clearly he's tapped into. And it's a neat use, uh, an idea of, you know, building this car up, restoring it, even though it's just software. And you could, you know, say, you know, computer fix that carburetor. After all, I don't feel like putting the five hours into fixing it. And he's in there just cranking around Uh, when the doctor. Just walk, you know, materializes into the. um, The simulation and lays on the car horn and scares Tom. And instantly, my first thought is, how the fuck does the doctor know where the horn is? I guess maybe he might have learned because he was part of all the car related shenanigans in the uh, uh, Future's End episodes You're after right. he got his uh, mobile You're emitter. right. Yeah. I stand corrected. He watched uh, corporate jabroni, you know, kidnap him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then he got like counter kidnapped by uh, Sarah Silverman. And you know, he was in the car. He knows what cars sure. are. Um there's some very juicy info that gets dropped here. Uh, they still have not pulled their head out of their asses and figured out that they need more than the ship's pilot to be able to fill in as a nurse and, you know, grab someone, one of the Delaney sisters or someone else sitting around their thumb up their ass. <laughs> right. Uh, and that Tom is still the only other medical person other than doctor, especially in the light of uh, message in a bottle where they stood a very good chance of losing the doctor forever. And Tom was forced with the reality that he is the only other medic capable person. Um, but Tom's been screwing off and not following his, uh, his education plan to become a better medical practitioner. And he drops a little nugget saying that they haven't been dealing with anything worse than an in-ground toenail for several weeks. And in the world of Voyager, man, that is an unprecedented amount of time to be flying through space without any sort of serious injury, medical emergency, or, you know, terrible invasion. I was about to say, they they must have had a really quiet month because that's that's unheard of for the ship. Like, particularly after I imagine Tom was probably 
pulling like triple duty while he was helping uh, patch together all of his comrades after the goddamn Herogen yeah, thing. Babe. Like his attitude about this is pretty indefensible. I uh, I will say I like the program. I like the idea of he has a hobby of doing this and it's therapeutic and the whole idea of the steam games and doing these things like playing a flight simulator or that sort of thing where it's not like the most taxing, but it, it, allows you to sort of explore this creative I want to accomplish this thing because it seems interesting impulse also provides that sort of uh clear relationship parallel to the real world where he has his you know his man cave that he gets away from his girlfriend in you know yeah. that, that's that's why they did it but yeah like Tom not giving a fuck about this is not defensible, but I guess that's the point, right? Like he's clearly checked out on his life a little bit. And while he's not like being a rebel and, and, and uh, purposefully like fucking it up, he's also not putting any effort into anything. And that's going to be the theme for pretty much this entire episode is Tom's acting like a real bitch. There's one other thing I want to touch on in this holodeck scene. It's something that I've never really given any thought to before. And it's the idea of, physical possession and and ownership of a good that exists only in the holodeck. I've always considered the holodeck a very disposable experience. And and the main thrust of the holodeck is an experience, right? You're going in there to play a game or to do training or, or a simulation or something. It's not about the stuff you're touching. It's about the experience of moving around and interacting with these holographic characters. But it's like, what he's got with this car is it is a physical possession that he covets. It only exists on the holodeck, but he shows that it's good enough. Like if you've always wanted a Rolex watch, yeah, sure. You could replicate one, you know, one of the ship's replicators or sort of, you know, using your rations, you could go on the holodeck and just have this watch on you. And I think for a materialistic society like us, like that's a, that's a pretty, I think that'd be pretty common to see in people like you and me like, man, you know, I've always wanted, uh, I don't know, a gold crown or, or whatever. Um, and in his case, especially like it's not feasible to have a car on the ship, but he's got this persistent program. That car is his. He has fixed it. He, he feels like he has a strong degree of um, investment in it. And that's, I think, at the end of the scene, when he brings Balan in there and shows it off, it's like this is a real thing to him, even though it quits existing as soon as he walks off of there. Like it's as real to him now as it is anything that's inside his quarters. It's just as real as the guy who grinded uh, in World of Warcraft to get the the fucking hammer that opened the gates of AQ40 so he could have the special. Yeah, that mount. was the guy. The guy's name was what? Car. I forget the guy's Car. name. Oh, you said World of Warcraft. I thought you meant World War Two. <laughs> I was no, making no, a Herogen I... joke, Joe. Come on, <laughs> goddamn it. Oh <laughs> no! I mean that that was what I thought as it is is that. It's like a guy whose war, you know, World Absolutely. of Warcraft account yeah. has a lot of these achievements on it, and you know that that is something he invested his time in and accomplished something difficult to do, and it's very re- that accomplishment is real, even if the good is not physical. It was a which really cool, totally yeah, it was a really it. cool use of making me look at the holodeck a new way and the things on the holodeck a new way. Um, so I thought it was a really good intro. Uh, the, in, in the end, you know, Tom's like, yeah, OK, I promise I'll be around more. And uh, the doctor takes it as good enough. And then right before Tom can go back to work on it, he gets summoned up to the bridge. So he goes to the bridge in his, his like mechanic outfit, which is nice touch because okay. reports immediately as requested. But there's grease on his face. And, and that's. If you're getting dirty, yeah, that, that is weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're because you I'm like, that how cool weird. would it be to like do something really messy, like uh, you know, cooking with a lot of oil or you know, dealing with sausage, which I hate cooking with sausage, just dries on your skin. It's so gross, and like, or repairing a car and you got grease all over your hands until you just walk off the holodeck and you're perfectly clean now. It's like a, it's like last action hero with Schwarzenegger when he falls in the tar pit and the next scene he's wiping off with like a little wet nap and he's perfectly clean again. In any case, for whatever uh, reason he has grease on him, he has grease on him. And he reports to his station and they are encountering a ship that is powered by something called a coaxial warp drive. 
that they explain is a theoretical type of warp drive uh, that folds space in a very exactly like event horizon sort of way. That's what I took it as. Uh, and that it's something that Starfleet warp mechanics have theorized. This warp technology of Event Horizon is real because Event Horizon has happened. We got Voyager footage of it happening. There's, there's That's continuity. true. We have a direct link. Like It's not even controversial at this point. That was clearly early uh, uh, warp testing mm-hmm. or something. But in any case, uh, Tom manages to MacGyver a way to prevent this guy's uh, ship from blowing up, which he, he promptly does and is successful. And a, a very... Uh, shall we say grateful alien face that has a uh, tiny extra nose on its forehead uh, hits the view screen and says, Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate your help. And is very friendly. And uh, of course, Captain Janeway always uh, eager to make friends uh, with strange aliens with, uh, you know, a a potential technological benefit benefit for them. Uh, says, hey, what's going on? Uh, maybe uh, we can help you out. And he's he's happy to receive the assistance. How did you feel about Tom in the flash of an uh, in the blink of an eye being a warp theory specialist? It made sense for the fact that he's really like into engines, you know, like that he, he as the, the the driver, like if he's going to have a speciality in engineering at all, it's going to be in how warp fields work because that's important to his job. So like, I like the idea of like, yeah, I actually like did enjoy learning this because it was relevant to what I wanted my career to be, you know, maintaining a warp field for a living. It there's two big complaints I had about this episode and this, his sudden development that, you know, in an instant, he now has warp engine repair skill on par with Harry Kim and Bellana Torres, and it just seems to have sprung out of nowhere. Like, ah, no, 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 no. That he worked on that warp ten engine, you know, before he put alien babies in his captain, and that's the only saving grace to this thread. I mean, if if there's enough mileage in the thirty sevens to bring up his love of cars again. Yes, he did go transwarp. How? Not that they would ever admit it in the rest <laughs> right. of this fucking episode series, uh, but it, it still seemed real weird for him to pull all that knowledge out of the you know his ass. I did like that there were two courses of action on the table for Jane Wayne. One was try and hang around with this uh, highly unstable and fringe science vessel and maybe save them or stick around. And when this thing blows up, it's going to destroy all space. And what a billion, a billion, yeah. 10 billion kilometers. Yeah. And January's like, what a chance to blow up the ship drop anchor boys. We're in this for the long haul. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom, give it your best shot. If not, finally get my wish. Self annihilation. Um, so this guy's name's Steph, which threw me off first couple times for some reason. And he is just like, Mr. A, he's like the Fonz, yeah. man. He is just like, he's a cool dude. Minus the he's way just... he dresses, which is like a complete and utter fucking 70s sci-fi goon. <laughs> he's got this red, he looks like Mork and Mindy, man. He's got this red velvet jumpsuit with a belt and his second nose on his forehead. And it's like, this is the best you could do. This guy, it's weird to see an alien actor that can portray this much charisma on screen and address him in this fucking travesty. Wow. That that's my third complaint for this episode. Um, he agrees, you know, he, he welcomes the idea of some help. And then we get the scene with, uh, Tom and Chakotay. And I was expecting it to be bad. And I was hoping it would be great because at this point, Chakotay and Tom have had some real shared experiences. Um, oh yeah. Although oh, going all the way back to the fucking pilot, yeah. you know? Um, and I guess, I guess the biggest thing I think of when I think about their bonding experience would have been the series of events that happened on Anorak's time ship in year of hell. Uh, since they spent considerable, they spent a fucking year together over there. Uh, basically, yeah. but as you are always quick to point out the, 
the sin of that episode is that it was ultimately a bottle episode and nobody got to retain any information or knowledge of that. So all that character development between them is completely in the trash. But you got Tom coming in and asking Chakotay, hey, can I go over to Steph? Up front, he's like, I need a change of pace and I think this would be really good and I'm interested in this and it'd be great. And then Tom's like, yeah, but, you know, the doctor fucking ratted you out and we've got concerns about you, Tom. You just haven't been acting like yourself. You're showing up for shifts on time. Like it, it reminded me of that scene from uh, Office Space where Jennifer Aniston gets yelled at about her boss. Yeah, yeah, because the minimum amount of flair. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah. how many pieces of flair do I need for you to be happy? And he's like, it's not about meeting the minimum number of flair. You you need to be into this. And I was like, man, Chakotay, what a dick. <laughs> what a fucking dick. <laughs> They end up connecting more than I was expecting them to. It wasn't as much as it could have been, and I think it, as much as it would have deserved to finally see how these guys are getting along. You know, four years after, uh, you know, Tom laid some Native American shape shifting jokes on him or whatever, saying he should turn into a hawk and fly away from the the OSHA disaster bridge. But by the end, Chakotay's like, you know what? Uh, screw the doctor i want you to go over to that ship and help that guy out and 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 you know you've you've really made a lot of great changes you're coming along as a person wonderfully and i got your back on this yeah i it it's nice to have the recognition that tom has evolved and very rare for voyager knowledge yeah rare for them to actually like dive in a little bit on their characters changing and Tom is probably the one that's changed the most. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Chakotay in particular, even when you take year of hell out of the equation, owes Tom a lot. And I feel like he doesn't, there should be more respect there. He still kind of lords it over him, even though like Tom is clearly like gone the extra mile specifically for him in the past. Yeah. And Instead of being like, hey, man, let's have a like a a man to man talk like what do you need to like feel better about what's going on in the ship? Like, you know, I'm concerned like I owe you a lot, you know, instead of it's your boss doing you a favor. It's like, uh, you know, I really feel like at this point, Chakotay owes Tom a little bit more than that, just on a personal level, because they're both outsiders. You know, they've they're both both they're both ex-terrorists. They've both Federation defectors. They've both come a long way since being on the ship. Like Chicote's found his footing as the second in command of the vessel. Tom has reinvented his whole life. And never do I feel like Chicote treats Tom more as like an equal and always as a subordinate, which the two of them specifically should probably have a different dynamic in private. Also, too, but, all the Seska stuff, like they specifically engineered this very cold relationship with Tom subverting Chakotay and like creating ramping up the bad boy Tom persona so he could um, fly off and get kidnapped by Seska. Like having done that intentionally and seeing the impact it had on the crew, I would have thought that they would have tried extra hard to like make sure everything was copacetic between them. But I'm going to lay the problem in this scene on Tom. Like, yeah, Chakotay might have been able to push harder, but Chakotay asked him like three times, like, hey, dude, what's up? We care about you. And back to the overarching theme of this episode is Tom's just acting like a fucking bitch, even with the door shut and in there with a guy he's asking for a favor. He can't. He says, like, I want to change a pace, but he can't articulate what his problem is and just come clean on it. Well, he might not know. That's actually kind of realistic. Like, a lot of times people don't know, like, why the fuck they feel the way they feel Fair when they're kind of fucked up, right? And so that he's like, I just need a change. I just need to get a – I know what's annoying me. I know that I would like to be away from it, and that may be all I understand. Yeah. I yeah. I got it. I got it. Um, I want to I lay my biggest gripe out on the floor here about this episode. And this is – has a strong – parallel to false prophets uh and the skeevian episode right now there is a fantastic technology that has just fallen into voyager's lap this this event horizon site-to-site warping right space folding with this coaxial warp drive dropped right in their lap and there's no fucking talk whatsoever about like holy shit this is an easy ticket home get all of our engineers over there fix this fucking shit up 
and let's co-op this technology and get it going. Like there's a little bit of discussion, like maybe, maybe we could, but like people like thirsty ass fools, like Harry Kim, they're always like, mommy, daddy, I miss you. Like, (laughs) why is everybody not shitting their fucking pants when this ship just pops in? And it's like, oh, hey, look, I'm friendly. Can you send over engineers and help me? Like, why is everybody not like, this is the fucking ticket home, boys. Get over there and and let's do this right. We botched on the Skeevian super transport. Now we got a chance to get this thing hooked up. Do it. Janeway especially, wants to- especially because the guy's like wide open and is like, Hell yeah. Yo, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it also does not make sense to me. Uh, and like the fact that they address it by saying like, hey, maybe you can like, uh, you know, hey, Tom, when you got extra time, maybe you can put that shit on a shuttle. Let's give it a try, right? No, like, Tom, you're no longer the pilot. Nobody has. And take all the work crews that were in circulation for Herogen, and that is going to be the ship again right now. And everybody is going to be working 100% on getting this folding technology working on the ship. Instead, their treatment through this episode is right about on par with, uh, you know, saving a whole planet full of Talaxians. They try for about five minutes. <laughs> eh, wasn't meant to be whatevs yeah, it just didn't quite work out guys all right let's go home so tom gets permission to go over there uh the interior of the ship and i want to point out too there's going to be two new ships that we see this episode one is this little whatever the fuck it is ship and then there's some what the hell's her name banthan ships we're going to see later on that look yeah. fucking sweet they're it's fucking just, rad. Yeah. Like I, you see them for two goddamn seconds and they're like, oh, holy shit. Who are the fuck are these people? Those are some of the coolest ships. I th- easily the coolest ships I've seen in Voyager after maybe Voyager itself. Like what a fucking waste of badass models. But uh, they get over there. It's a big bridge area. It's a nice set piece. We meet Steph, who is still dressed in his terrible leisure suit of uh, of of velvet, red velvet. And he starts getting along real well with Tom. Yeah, they have a real like buddy buddy relationship. They're shooting the shit about, you know, you know, he's this job that he says he's got of being a test pilot and just he doesn't like to put roots down. He's just kind of out there. And Tom's like talking about how he really likes his life and responsibilities, but is clearly like has that does he though feel to it? And the tease that they start giving you starting with this uh, scene is that there's something clearly off about Steph. He seems to be like changing into a lady that is clearly a different alien race. I'm going to tell you something, Joe, that I've never, ever said in my life. Oh, okay. Boy, that was a good looking morph effect in that Star Trek episode. I was stunned because like he, it's this pain. He's like, ah, ah. And like he starts like his face starts bubbling around and like he looks like a chick. And then he's like looking like nose guy again. And, and it's just going back and forth in his hands. And I'm like, am I watching Star Trek? Why does this look legit as fuck? What 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 is happening here? But it was like, really well done. You're right. Great. And yeah, so something's up with with this guy. We don't know what his deal is. Um, but there's a lot of dialogue between him and Tom where exactly like you said, Steph is bragging, humble brain, like, oh, you know, my life's so chaotic and there's all this stuff. And you can tell that Tom's like, I want that life. And it's, it's easy to see how good Steph is at manipulating the situation where he's like, oh man, you know, you're right. You do have it so good here. And just rubbing Tom's face in it real subtly. And all he's doing is getting Tom wound up and even more pissy about whatever his problem with, with life on Voyager was. Ultimately, he's like, you know, uh, I'm going to go do this other test thing over here. You should come with me. We can meet back up with Voyager when it's done. Just going to throw that out there. Think about it. And he like, you know, puts the bait out. We get a scene between Tom and Bellano that is among my favorite because it is a like, just a kind of normal pissy fight you know like we we talk about how these two sometimes seem to have chemistry and then sometimes feel like they have all the chemical reaction of helium um but the that was a chemistry joke joe i'm not good at chemistry does that mean that there's a a good chemical reaction or, or no 
I hate you. <laughs> Thanks for uh, shitting all over that. I'm going to use the context. My clues. noble gas joke. Yeah, I'm going to use the good. context clue and know that since you're talking about Tom and Bellana, it's bad chemistry. But this scene works because it's like Tom being pissy and unreasonable and Bellana being like, why the fuck are you being so unreasonable? Like that is that is something that happens in a lot of people's relationships. And this and- is Tom the human who's usually you know, like, don't be defensive. You're putting your shields up. And Bellana's like, I want to get mad and rip telephone books in half and throw cups at people. And like, she's just chill as fuck through the whole thing. And Tom is just yeah. acting like a mega bitch. And that's real relation stuff, man. Roles reverse. There's- I liked the, how she ends it of like, he starts being pissy again. And she just goes, good night, Tom, and leaves. Yeah. Like, and, and when you're perfect, perfect. When your Klingon girlfriend is turning the other cheek and you can't, that's that's a real problem in your court. Um, he was late to their dinner date because he was spending too much time BSing with Steph over on the, the ship. So by the time he gets there, she's already done eating and she's like justifiably pissed and is just like, hey, you know, what's going on? Trying to be reasonable and talk about this. And this is where Tom really goes to like super bitch status in this episode because he's been using this garage where he's restoring this Camaro as like his escape leisure activity, right? And that combined with this magical knowledge of warp drives that I never knew he had. Like what a good synergy and bonding experience for him and Bellana to have. Like what a dick move that you're going to be in there doing super mechanical stuff, working on a fucking car, you know, this yeah, cool not bringing stuff. your like hot rod engineer girlfriend. Yeah. Like what the fuck, man? Like if there's one person on the ship who should be able to appreciate archaic old tech like that, it should be her. But like just a, just a fucking shitty dick move. I think Bellana should have been a lot more active in this episode as an engineer and less as just like a pissed off lover, but uh, whatever. The I mean, you had to focus on I know. this being a Tom episode, and I get why. The next bit of interaction between him and Steph is that they go to the holodeck program and he like talks about how he figured out a way to make Steph's uh, coaxial warp drive more stable using the AI idea of a carburetor and what a carburetor does in a 20th century engine and they need to build a similar type of device for this kind of ship and this kind of engine so that the way it fuels itself won't cause its instability and uh this is where we see a lot more of the whole stats like gen- whatever's going on with that morphing and turning into this lady is happening there was like a check that he did on the ship where like he only had like a few hours left before he was going to revert into this form you still don't know much about it or why it's happening. I mean, to any uh, experienced Star Trek viewer or sci-fi fan out there, it's plain as day that this is some sort of body jumping parasite thief thing. I, I think they that, haven't established if he's villainous or yet. Uh, like That's the thing they hadn't like put out there yet. Like they do a good job of hiding that he's villainous until like two thirds of the way through the episode. So you like, kind of like him. Right. Like he's clearly got something going on that it might be tragic. You know, it, it's not clearly he's a bad guy. yet. I knew it was up. There's never been a, a a pod person body snatcher. That was good. I want to say the last time we saw it in Voyager specifically was the warlord from Cat's sexy vampire kitty cat <laughs> episode. Yes. Which also had dudes with extra nose tubes on their face. And I was like, sweet, are we going to get to see more blood shooting out of nose tubes? Like, I'm very excited. Um, And all the more reason why some of the behavior later on the cruise, like, or why there should always be an expectation. Like, Tom's not acting right. Is he being infiltrated by an alien influencer? Quick, get him in the med lab. Now, like when Janeway orders him to go to the, the sick bay, it's like, yeah, it's about fucking time. Dick move on Tom's end, showing Steph his little secret man cave toy before his girlfriend, his mechanic hot rod girlfriend. Super right. dick move. Um, and uh, once they wrap up, he's like, All right, I'll meet you back on the ship. Steph takes off and Tom's cleaning up his shop, which and I want to go back to how cool this little holodeck workshop is. Like, imagine being able to make a mess and not have to clean it up. Like he starts trying to rearrange things like, OK, computer revert back to clean state like. I would cheat like a motherfucker on that. But it seems like there's one tool he can't find. And he just doesn't know where. And instead of asking the computer where it went, like I would do, he turns the other cheek. I have to assume that these tools he's using, because this is going to be a big plot point later on, 
have to be like tools that mean something to him. And he actually replicated them and brings them with him onto the holodeck. Because, again, if that was a holodeck. Seems like that way. Yeah, uh, it has to be because it was removed from the holodeck. Yeah, but, you know, so is that grease. So unless he's like pre-greasing his face up as like part of his cosplay for being a mechanic. Uh, they play a little fast and loose with the rules in this one. But uh, I, I, I see the writing on the wall. I know this is a body jumper episode now. I know that Steth's too cool to be legit. And uh, there's a reason he's dressing like a fucking asshole. And it's because he probably is a fucking asshole. <laughs> Turns out that's true, because what happens <laughs> is they get the ship fixed. Uh, Steph, like we get the one seven of nine scene, like when he's like stealing computer records about Tom, it's part of like the danger of like, maybe he's a bad guy. And then uh, they go back to the ship and Tom's helping him wrap up the repairs. Yeah. I loved, I love that of all of his dumb luck, he chooses to go in the fucking cargo bay where the Borg Terminatrix is living. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, whoops. I love him skeeving his way out of getting reported by her. Like, way to play off of her native like she's always so perfect in a lot of ways but like against a smooth talker he fucking schools her and 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 acts not acts but like you know lies circles around her and gets off the hook and i also liked him hacking the the terminal to get access to this data i'm like what the fuck we've got a guy just wandering the ship with full security clearance again pulling up people's records and i was about to call bullshit but like him using his little tablet to like break the password on the Elkar system. That was fucking cool, man. Like, give me more of that. Yeah, there was. It was like a neat alien detail. Uh, detail. Yeah, I agree. But the the uh, the the payoff comes when they're back on the ship and uh, he staff tells Tom, oh, yeah, I, I took your tool because he Tom finds the tool and is like, hey, I was looking for my socket wrench. And he's like, yeah, to take it because you handled it and had your DNA on it. And that's how I found out we're compatible. And that's when he he does the pod person body switch. And what happened basically is my wife walks in right at the beginning of this scene. So when Steph like goes up and starts getting like real close and she's like, uh, what's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to be like, because I, I didn't know if maybe like, you know, there was going to be a kiss or something. And, you know, Steph was going to turn into his female form and like monologue or what. But it's just one dude pinning another dude up against the wall on some 90s TV. That was not very, you know, this isn't discovery. We've got like same sex on screen kisses all over the place. Like she's like, well, what's going on here? And I'm like, uh, well, oh, OK, here. Yeah. The strangling, the body swap pop and everything else. I'm like, yeah, that was. That was a real weird setup. And she's like, why didn't Tom just shove him the fuck off when he starts like pulling him back up against the corner? I'm like, I don't know, man. Who knows what Tom's really down for? I've seen some shit on this show. Tom probably swings both ways. <laughs> Prison. All right. Here's yeah, your answer. Yeah, I was about Prison. to say, like, I was, I was about to say the man's spent enough time locked up that bangers can't be choosers. <laughs> you know, you just, you just got to go with what's there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes male, female, undeterminate, asexual, you know strange space genders sure it's the, the the milky way galaxy can be a freaky place as we've all seen mm-hmm. uh side note if you ever watch it uh i highly recommend even just watching it independent of anything else uh the uh trials and tribulations tribulations episode of ds9 which is the uh the anniversary episode that they did remember we watched that crappy one where they redid oh, star trek 6 and i was super bad yeah, the DS9 one is awesome. It's where they go back in time for the Trouble of Tribbles episode. And something they play up in the episode is that that part of the 23rd century, everyone was super DTF. Because it was the sixth, quote unquote, the 60s, right? And and straight up that it's like the sexiest time to be in, in the Federation. Yeah, and they like constantly comment and have situations where, oh my God, why the fuck are these people so horny? <laughs> I like it. Eventually, we'll get to yeah. DF9, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, so Steth gets all up in Tom's personal space. And I think Tom's like, well, wait a minute, dude. I'm not like, I know we've been hanging out, broing out, but like, <laughs> don't bro rate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 ho, ho, ho. Is that a wine cooler? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Did you ever well, watch that old? Absolutely. That's why I just brought it up. <laughs> We'll, we'll link into the trauma support groups. Everybody else knows what we're talking about, and it's not just terrible things. Yeah. Or Did you bring your game, dude? 
<laughs> uh, but <laughs> turns out that Steph is also into Choke Daddy. Um, it's been a yeah. while since we've seen some same sex, hot and steamy choking since uh, whatever oh, Random Thoughts was with <laughs> with with Tuvok's terrible adventure. But once he goes hands on with them, he Steph becomes Tom and Tom becomes Steph. It's weird. We don't really get any science behind what's going on, but it's a pretty complete body jump. And there Tom is wearing the terrible crushed red velvet suit. This is what we call the payoff from this point forward is we we get face off. You know, we've got uh, the uh, Nicolas Cage, John Travolta, 90s action classic where one guy starts living the other guy's life. And you've it's it's a great movie. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. And uh, this guy is now looks like Tom. So it goes back to uh, Voyager after sending the other ship off making it look like, oh, the other guy just pushy went off to his home planet <laughs> and and starts to try and live his life. And it's clearly he's a little different because he's just not giving a fuck. Uh, he does have a scene where he makes up with Bolana, where it's actually very close to a scene where John Travolta, who is at that time actually now Nicolas Cage's character, uh, like seduces his quote unquote wife. And so it's like he comes up with this sort of uh, way to charm his way back into Blana's pants where he's like, oh, uh, I learned all this time that I need to be spending with you, baby. Hmm. Let me uh, caress your face and plant this passionless kiss on you. Uh, I thought it was good. It's it was uh, the scene was neat. Like you can kind of tell like the way this guy operates is that he takes people's bodies and then just kind of fucks all around for a while. And then like, uh, time to move on and then steal someone else's body. They never, again, like you pointed out, tell you how all this shit works or really like quote unquote, get to the bottom of it. But they give you enough in what he does. You were like, okay, I see what this guy's about. I see what he's doing. I don't need the full science behind what's happening. Exactly. I think you understand the situation well enough that it's temporary and there's a need to rotate bodies again, like any other body parasite situation like a warlord. Um, I like that at his core, Steph is a manipulator that he can see what people need to hear to get his way and that he can deploy it successfully to a point where he's able to like con, you know, Borg drones. Essentially the biggest plot hole in all of this is when he takes Tom's body, he shoots Tom and knocks him out. And it's like, why wouldn't you just fucking kill him? Like he sends the ship back off to return and the place where he sends the ship to go, there's trouble waiting. And I think he knows there's trouble waiting. He's locked down all the console uh, codes as we'll later find out. So the ship's um, magic warp drive is no longer functional, but it's like, why let Tom live? You're, you're setting him up the bomb to get fucked anyways. Like just kill him and close that plot hole. It's, it's very, very sloppy um, plot writing from the writer room. I get like the idea of, oh, I'm going to send this guy off. So it like ties up all my loose ends maybe, but like actually it allowed the guy to like, it allowed Tom to fall like ass backwards into the exact one person that could help bail him out of the situation, uh, which that's where I have my problems. Everything up to this point is cool. To me, I thought it was a really neat episode. What bothers me is that like Tom gets like foisted into the situation with these super rad alien ships. We don't know anything about what's going on, but we never get to find out because immediately some other ship rolls up and uh, it turns out this female uh, alien beams on. And this is the last person that got body swapped on. And so immediately Tom he is able to become best friends with this person because it's like, hey, uh, that just happened to me. Do you want to go fucking get the guy? And then that's it. Like there's so much they could have done in this in this universe of Tom living uh, the, uh, the, the, the imposter Tom living his life and Tom having to deal with what the fuck do I do? I'm in this alien body. I got to figure out what to, you know, like ingenuity, his way out of it. You know it, what? I take try back. Try track down Voyager. I take back my misgivings on your thoughts that this should be a two-parter. If that's the story you're saying should have been told and it's Tom alone on the other end of the galaxy, 
having to claw his way back to Voyager, that would have been terrific. That that yeah, especially with all of this stuff about how he's like obviously not appreciating his life very much. Yeah. It's like what a great yeah, what episode fuck, for him. Man? Like you're going to give me yeah. two fucking episodes of of dudes in Nazi uniforms playing shoot 'em up and then here's a really awesome Tom pulls his head out of his ass story arc like and you got like cool ships you made just for this episode and like some really interesting characters on the other part of the galaxy like what the fuck man and and throughout all of this there could have been a huge payoff of new tech to move us closer forward it could have been a good meta plot episode like what a huge squandered opportunity there and instead yeah like he said they just they dump Tom right in the lap of the only person who could possibly help him in this situation. Not only can this person force a situation where Steph gives their bodies back, but can also override the lockouts on her old ship and everything else. Like ridiculous, ridiculous. It, yeah. And it's because they've run out of time, right? This is already like, you know, 10 minutes to go. They don't, they got to wrap it up. So uh, it's just, Deus Ex Machina, here it is. Uh, the the last kind of cool thing they do is that Tom, you know, fake Tom, uh, like, s- starts drinking on the job and is, like, <laughs> reading Janeway's, like, fucking diary and shit. Threatens to beat Seven of Nine's ass, which I don't think would have worked out too well for him. Like, he really likes threat. As, as much attention as he shows Seven of Nine, I'm really surprised that, like, she wasn't his next body swap candidate. Like, that would have seemed the ideal way for me to go if I wanted to be a hey, badass. That's something they could have done if they had managed to make this a two-parter. Like, he could start, like, you know, like, fucked with the crew, took someone else over. Like, they could have gone so much deeper. I'd be but looking instead, at Janeway's logs to see where exactly Kess is. Because, like, you know, my buddy was a body swapper, too. And he said that that Kess girl had some really sweet psychic abilities. I got to find her. They end up concluding this story by having Tom fake Tom attacks Janeway Janeway calls for the cops to come in and stun him and we get a little bit more choking action but this time it's you know male on female so you know uh, not as not as much fun not as much uh, choke daddy action and the uh, (laughs) Stevie's laughing behind me when she calls for the cops and Tuvok and pretty boy roll in there and the door opens up and it's just Tom strangling the shit out of Jamie. <laughs> I fucking laughed, dude. I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting that shit to happen. Like, that's all. And they just fucking gun him down. They shoot him. No fucks given as though it was Tom and Janeway's lizard baby. <laughs> so uh, they ship Tom to the sick bay. And in the the thing that, you know, is going to happen has happened. And that that's not Tom. Uh, I that's got Janeway. You did? I got faked out good because oh, there was man. so little time left in the episode that I figured that, okay, they got him. There was going to be more story to Tom getting back in there, but they show up, right? Tom, uh, Steph, Tom, and pre-Steph attractive space elf lady, they pop in and they're like, hey, listen, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but that's not the real Tom. I'm the real Tom, and that guy is a body jumper. And then fucking Chakotay standing or, you know, Janeway and Chakotay are like, uh, well, I, this seems like such a foreign concept to us. Let's let's feel out. And it's like, can't Tom just start rattling off like security codes or like this is going to sound like I'm crazy. But uh, hey, remember, I made a, a, a you can turn into a hawk joke and Janeway, you picked me up on the prison. Panel. And here's here's four years of knowledge that we only know together. And so it's just like, I don't know how to prove it to you, but. Um, I'm Tom. And then Janeway's like, uh, I got to go think about this. And Janeway's done so much stupid stuff in her past. And I'm just like, yeah, this is within her <laughs> wheelhouse. Like, this is legit. This is dumb enough for her to be doing. But sure. act- actually, it's the body jumpers. Janeway now, she goes to the shuttle, uh, guns down seven of nine real quick, dumps her body out. And uh, again, takes I'm off. time to steal a Borg super powerful Terminatrix like. Why stay in Janeway? They wind up uh, having her try to get away in the modified shuttle. So now uh, after getting Chakotay's trust by pointing out their little, uh, you know, their their little talk supervisory talk earlier, 
beats feet after and they wind up just blowing up the carburetor off of fake Janeway's ship to uh, be able to uh, arrest her. And they don't tell you anything about how they fixed everything, but the episode wraps on them having fixed everything. All she got to do is just choke him and she's back. It's it's, you know, choking's a two way. Yeah, so you just had all this this big choke circle in sick bay. It's like the doctor just arranged everybody to start just throttling each other until DNA is where it's Joe, supposed to be. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened. He's touching his nipples bay. while it happened. His hollow no, nipples. It's just not the worst thing while it's it, happening. Tuvix died in there. Tuvix was <laughs> executed. So so some consensual choking is just fine. That's going to be the episode for the title for this one. Consensual choking. No, choking is a two-way street. <laughs> you did it. I like um, it. I loved, 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 loved bitchy, evil Janeway. Her dialogue yeah. delivery on that shuttle where she's like, yeah, yeah, fuck you guys. Uh, I know you can't kill me. Otherwise, you're never going to get your bodies back. And uh, hey, by the way, Tom, tell your girlfriend I said hi. Like her. Kate Mulgrew is on another level to me after watching what she could be like when she is the bad guy. I loved it. And I want more of that, Janeway. I'm, I am so happy to hear you say that. And I'm not going to tell you why. Because I don't want to spoil anything. Well, I'm, just, I'm super happy to hear that. And we'll leave it there. It was wonderful. And, and I enjoyed it. Um, so they get her back. Like you said, they all get rounded up. Everybody gets choked back into the right body. Um, shame on Tuvok, who was also surprised by all of this, that he didn't notice that Janeway should have been wearing the wrong number of pips on her uniform. Right. Because if they swapped bodies like, yeah, they're both in red command uniforms, but like shouldn't. Tom have suddenly had captain's pips. I who knows? There's some continuity foolishness on this. Also, I believe at a certain point, like Janeway actually makes a captain's log, even though she's been functioning as the body swapped Janeway, like whatever. It was a good fake. They cheated to make it happen, but they did fake me out. I appreciated it. Um, And by the end, there's a solemn promise by the real Steph that they're going to backtrack everything that this uh, body jumper has done and try to like give everybody their body back who deserved it. And that seemed like, of course, Tom takes uh, his hot rod girlfriend to his hot rod and, you know, recommits to her. And therefore, uh, by definition, everything else, it's a nice kind of conclusion to the, I think this might be my favorite episode as far as their relationship is concerned. Yeah. Uh, because it's the most believable relationship, you know, maturation kind of thing that yeah. they've, they've done between the two of them. So I thought he was going to uh, be cool and be like, well, you know, the reason I've been hiding here so much is that here's this car I really love. And because you're more important to me than it is, I'm giving it to you, my awesome hot rod mechanic girlfriend. And instead, he's just like, no, this is my car. Let's let's make out in the garage. Like, dude, you're not even going to load up the fucking open highway and like drive down California to make out point with her. Like, you're just going to do it in the garage. Like, you dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking dick. Oh, man. Well, what do we watch next week? I'm not done with this shit, Joe. What? The The shuttlecraft almost jumped. They have the technology to fold space. No one says fuck all about it at all. Does this ever come up again? I was trying to end this episode before I had to tell you the answer to that because I don't want to hurt you. I don't. There's been enough choking in this episode. I don't need to <laughs> choke. I don't need to choke your hope. It, so they don't. If you insist, if you insist here, let me put my my uh, tender but powerful hands around. <laughs> Uh, this and sell you that uh, this is never ever for the rest of this entire show mentioned for any reason ever again. Tuvix transwarp <laughs> through threshold, and now this. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is weak as shit potential right here, Joe. Yeah, this it, is a it weak is. as shit award opportunity right here. This might be more egregious than false prophets where they fucking buffoon up their chance to fly through the fucking wormhole. Like they have the technology. Tom is familiar Uh with the technology. They installed it on the shuttle. Like Mm -hmm. there's not even mention of any of this shit in the fucking memory alpha. What the fuck? How is this not the outrage that everybody shows on two Vixer threshold? This is clown. 
this is, this is clown shoes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a badass episode. I thought it was going to be complete garbage by that capsule. I was very pleasantly surprised. This is one of the standout episodes, I think, for Voyager season four underneath um, uh, Year of Hell. I'll have to go through and look at the list and see if there's any other real gems in there. But this was a great Tom episode. This is a good Tom and Balana episode. Um, and this is a cool shit happening and seeing stuff going around. I, I liked all the talk about like replicating um, golf clubs because they got a double date with uh, with Harry and his girlfriend on the holodeck to go play golf. Like just fucking cool. I mean, it was good enough that I can ignore the acquisition of Event Horizon space folding technology, but whatever. I I think the last 12 minutes let it down, but I think there was so much more they could have done, but that speaks to how they set this up very well. And I, they just needed more time to do more with a really cool concept. If they uh, would have my... played the episode out, if they would have given us a story of Tom is stuck on the other end of the galaxy and has to get back to his ship on the other end of the galaxy and maybe even a chance where he could just warp home or warp back to Voyager and makes the call yet again to dedicate himself to his friends like that. That is a huge miss there. There was a really good story out there that could have been added onto this. And instead, we got two episodes of Herogens and fucking Nazi uniforms like shame. Um. To answer your question earlier, we're going to be moving into season four, episode 21, the Omega Directive. And there is a seven of nine standing in the shadows with some blue light across her eyes with some very heavy Morticia Adams vibes. Voyager sensors detect a rare particle theoretically capable of damaging subspace and nullifying warp travel. You remember this episode, Joe? Very well. Is this a good one? Mm. Uh, hmm. It's kind of wacky, actually. It's, I think maybe a little too. It's a little too much, but uh, I don't think it's a bad one. I, I read this. That helps. I read this 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 capsule. Voyager sensors detect a rare warp drive, theoretically capable of warping Voyager home, <laughs> and discover it's in the fucking shuttle bay on the shuttle that they installed it on, and we know it works. Joe, this is that's this is the new thing. This is the new hair up my ass. I, I think I've got my my weakest shit season four award right here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I think we need to take a closer look at some of the bullshit we put up with the first like five <laughs> episodes of the season before you commit to that, because this was pretty good otherwise. But can't argue with that. But thanks so much to everybody that has stuck through yet another episode of Egypt, please hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. As always, we encourage people to join our Facebook group. It's the Vija Police Trauma Support Group. It's pretty easy to find. It's closed only just because, you know, we respect everyone's privacy to talk about Star Trek the whole world say Mostly ours. Mostly mine. Uh, but yeah, please just ask to join. I'll be happily add you. And uh, you can always email us if you have uh, uh, something you want to point out about an episode or something you want to ask and have us answer on on uh, on the air. We'll be happy to. We are reachable at VijaPlease at gmail.com. And you can even tweet at us at VijaPlease. So never uh, hesitate to reach out. We love hearing from our fans. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. 